episode 11. Also got A-Ron, how you feeling, Aaron? I uh, felt better. Uh, me and Two Chains both be fighting allergies, so I'm gonna try and have my voice last this whole podcast. But I'm doing well, man. Hey, hey Two Chains, you, you alive over there, man? I know the allergies <laughs> kick you too. How you feeling? Like you said, doing my best. But good evening, everybody. So we got a couple of things that we want to go over you, and happy Sunday to everybody. Uh, make sure you check out the finals, game two tonight. It'll be eight o'clock, I believe, Eastern time, seven, uh, uh, seven Central. Uh, for those you know, there's a different Sunday times and Tuesday, Thursday slots. But here we got a couple of things we got to talk about. So one thing that we're going to start off with, uh, Aaron got a chance to meet Mick Foley, not the wrestler, but actually the comedian. Mick Foley had a stand-up show in the Chicago area. It was actually in, it was in Dubuque, Iowa. Oh, it was in Iowa. I thought it was in Chicago. Okay, it was in yeah, Iowa. he did Excellent. a Excellent. he did a whole five day stretch throughout Iowa, and Dubuque was the closest uh, gig for us to go to. So, how far is that from you where you are? Uh, it was about an hour and a half drive. It wasn't too bad. Um, we actually spent the afternoon up there. They have a cool river museum, and they had an exhibit about the Titanic. So they had a bunch of artifacts about the Titanic, went to a cool wine restaurant. Um, the event itself was at a casino in Dubuque, and they have kind of a small little club bar area. So, okay. man, it was probably only a, a you know capacity, only a couple hundred people, and it was mostly full. But we bought um, general admission tickets, and it was only 10 bucks a pop for my wife and I. And we got in there, and they had tables with four chairs around each of them right up in front of the stage. And, man, I literally sat front and center. I must have been eight feet away from him the whole set. It was awesome. Excellent, excellent. So let's go ahead and start off with that. Let's get a review of his comedy show. Um, Aaron, we'll just go right back to you. How would you review it? What do you think was the big points? What kind of storylines did he tell with his comedic sense? Or did he use a lot of wrestling references on his show? How was it? Oh, it's a very um, very wrestling-based show. Um, and we I kind of knew that going into it. it. Did you guys get a chance to see the Cheap Pops uh, comedy set he did on the network? He filmed it I from not, a... I did not. I missed it that time. I did not. Uh, Two Chains, did you see it? No, sir. Yeah, he, uh-uh. he filmed it at, uh, at Full Sail, where they do NXT down in Orlando. And in that in that set, he said that would be the last time he did that version of the act. He was going to start working out new material. So I would say there were like two things he did that were similar to the cheap pops. Otherwise, it was pretty unique. He did a lot about Iowa, like his time in Iowa that week. He got to go to the uh, – we actually have the National Wrestling Hall of Fame site in Waterloo, Iowa. So he got a chance to stop through there, and he talked about that a little bit. But he's okay. more of a – more of a storyteller. He even makes that point at the beginning of his act that he doesn't do punchline jokes. He does storytelling. And he told a lot of cool stories. Some of uh, some things were about his family. Some things were about working with different guys. The main um, highlight of the act for me, he probably did about 15, 20 minutes on the infamous cell match from King of the Ring 1998 with The Undertaker. That's probably my favorite McFoley match right there. Oh, oh man. Um, yeah. Right it, he was, I mean, he kind of just went through the match, and one, the highlight of that bit was uh, him waking up after going through the cell and seeing Terry Funk's shoes, and he didn't understand why there was a pair of shoes. Because if you remember, Taker choke slams uh, Terry Funk to buy Mick some time to come out of it, and Terry Funk got choke slammed out of his shoes. And. <laughs> He, he told it a lot funnier than I'm telling it right now, obviously. But um, 
He also had an opening act. It was a guy from Iowa that he's worked with a lot in the past. His name's Tim Sullivan. And he came out at different points to do um, different bits. He brought out a cake uh, while he was dressed in a CM Punk outfit. Like, it was like a spandex, like, upper body thing, and then he had wrestling tights on, he came out to Punk's music, but he brought out a cake, because today is actually Mick's 50th birthday, so he sang happy birthday to him, and then he came out again, dressed as DDP, and he has this whole story about a time when he was on the road with DDP, and uh, DDP used to, like, always be in the hotel room naked, and (laughs) he has this whole story about a prank he plays on DDP, that's very entertaining, and then he... Another whole thing about his act, and he did this on Cheap Pops, is um, he has someone in the audience be his F-bomb counter because he only does one F-bomb the whole show, and he saved it up for the end, and it was really funny. But a lot of storytelling, um, I laughed throughout. My wife loved it, and she has never seen the Cell match. Um, She knows who Mick is and that he's written books and stuff, but super entertaining show. I would say Mick did about an hour. And then he did um, a Q&A for about 20 minutes. And I actually got to ask the last question of the Q&A. And what I asked him was, um, I have attended WrestleMania 22 in the Chicago area. And you might remember he had the hardcore style match with Edge, who was accompanied by Lita. And the conclusion of that match is Edge uh, spearing Mick through a flaming table outside the ring. Yes, I do remember that. Great spot. And so I asked him to tell the story about who came up with that spot. And he he said it was his idea, but they both kind of worked that match out because he wanted to have a WrestleMania moment. Because he said a lot of guys will have their best matches at um, WrestleMania. Like he said, we call Shawn Michaels Mr. WrestleMania. He said up to that point, he would have had to call himself Mr. In Your House. Because that was where his his best matches were, which I got a kick out of that. But he said that um, when the spot happened, him and Edge both lost their eyelashes. They were just singed up immediately. And he had tape around his hands and his wrists. So he said anything under the tape, the hair in his arms was preserved. But anything up upwards of the tape was completely gone. But he said he knew after that match that he had had his WrestleMania moment. And I, he did a free meet and greet after the show. And I made sure to thank him for that match. Because that match was the highlight of my night at my first WrestleMania. I've been to... WrestleMania 30 since then, and we're going to WrestleMania 32 next year in Dallas. But he also, he didn't have a ton of merch for sale because he said they sold it out throughout the week in Iowa, but I was able to buy a Mr. Sacco, which he personally signed for me, and it was like only 10 bucks. And I believe all the proceeds from the Saccos he's selling go to some sort of charity he works with. So um, got our picture with, yeah, got our picture with him, um, got to talk to him. Got to get my question answered, man. It was just such a pleasant, enjoyable evening. I highly recommend, if it comes to anybody's area of the country, make go out of your way to see it. It was a um, very affordable, very fun evening. Got to meet one of my heroes. I've read every book the guy has written, uh, fiction and nonfiction. It's just a really cool evening. Now, out of respect to all the, you know, any type of comedians, we don't want to give away all their jokes, all their stories, because that's the point of you going to see it, regardless if he does the same show over and over again. But I do want to ask this. Did he ever talk about, maybe this was a, a fan question, um, about how hardcore was during his time uh, the Mick Foley character, Mankind, Cactus Jack character, even Do Love, to what hardcore is now in wrestling? Did he ever compare saying 
that wrestling needs to stay PG related. It need, doesn't need to be as hardcore. Did he talk about that at all? He he didn't talk a ton about it. Um, some people asked him about today's product. Uh, he talked a little bit about hashtag Give Divas a Chance and um. Stuff like that. But no, what he did mention uh, at certain parts of his act was that he was a retired wrestler and he was forced to retire because of uh, brain trauma that was diagnosed over time. So he mentioned how we know a lot more about how to keep your brain safer and how to um, be proactive with your health in contact uh, activities like that. So he mentioned, I think maybe the point he did make, if I was going to say he said anything about it, was people know how to be more careful and how to undergo the proper testing today compared to what they did before. And going back to what you said about not giving his whole act away, he actually did a thing at the beginning where he said, I'll pose now, I'll do pictures now, um, go ahead and get your pictures in, and let's put the cameras away. He said he didn't want anything videoed because he was working out some material for what he hoped would be his next special on the WWE Network. So I don't think we've seen the last of him doing stand-up comedy on the network. Excellent, excellent. Uh, oh, go ahead, Chang, go ahead. I was going to ask, um, what did you think about his opening act with Tim Sullivan? Yeah, oh man, Tim Sullivan was great. He um he wore a Dean Ambrose hoodie, so to kind of let the crowd know right away, you know, he's a wrestling fan like us. He did a lot of um material about himself and also a lot uh, focused on wrestling references and watching wrestling with his son. And the guy is a legit fan because I... I um, our, our social media pages follow him now, and on his page, he had pictures from being at WrestleMania in New Orleans last year. Um, he did about 15, 20 minutes, and then he was there at the meet and greet after, so I got to talk to him for a little bit um, at the meet and greet, but he was cool. He's um, I think he's based out of either Sioux City or around the Waterloo area or Cedar Rapids maybe, but he tours nationally, so you can check his page out to see if he's coming to your local area, but yeah, he did... A lot of wrestling stuff, and then, like I said, he made appearances during mix set. Seemed like they had worked together a lot in the past, for sure. He said that um, Mick came over and met his mom and dad and had dinner at their house, and his dad was saying something about wrestling being fake or something, and he's like yelled at his dad for saying that in front of Mick. Because then the next day, he said he showed his dad the cell match with Taker, and his dad felt bad that he called it fake. It was kind of funny, but no, yeah, Tim Sullivan, he was a great opening act, very fun. Nice, nice, nice. Now, I mentioned my favorite Mick Foley <coughs> moment, and Aaron, Aaron, you did too, you know, talk about what, what you saw at WrestleMania 22. Uh, two Chains, do you have any favorite Mick Foley, Mankind, Do Love, Cactus Jack moments, even from maybe the ECW days, where you say, wow, that was a classic for him? Uh, I was just, I was consistently just a fan of his on, you know, just raw and the attitude era. I mean, it's hard for me to really pick out one specific moment because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really goofy guy, so little things always makes me chuckle. Like, his impersonations of The Rock yep. just be so epic, and I'll just keep running it back back in my head, like, who thinks of stuff like that? And I, I guess, I guess look, as a, as a child, kind of look at wrestlers, even though, you know, you want to debate if it's real or fake, whatever, it's still a professionalism. And just yes. to see that older uh, people had the same sense of, like, little humor, like, we had at, like, elementary school was always good. That Nick was always my guy for that. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, let's go ahead and uh, transition to part two. Well, we want to talk about a very famous, at least in our opinion, ROH character. We are very high on him in his regards to what he's doing, and that's the character Moose. Now, let me give a little lead-in story why Moose appeals to me, and it kind of has nothing to do with him. 
Um, back when I was in undergrad and myself and A.A. Ron are educators in our profession. And I was in my first education class my freshman year, uh, I think it was second semester. And in there, our, my teacher, Dr. Medina, had made sure we did uh, some type of, you know, icebreaker game so that everybody could know each other's name. So we went around this, uh, the class and everybody had to say their name, but you also had to say an uh, animal that started with the same letter of your name. So <laughs> I was thinking to myself, what animals are I going to say? Because I had two M's that was going to be in front of me. So by the time I had my M, I don't know what made me think about Rugrats. But if you just can go back to Rugrats, you know about the episode when Tommy never talked about the moose and it had that little sound, woo, woo. That's all I can think about. So when it got to my name, it was like, okay, I'm going to be Marcellus the Moose. And out of anything, I don't know why I would just pick Moose out of anything, but I just have a strong affirmations for Mooses that I just love. Them. I don't even know if Mooses is the plural name. It might be Moose. I don't know what it is. So when I found out that R.H. had a character by the Moose, I was like, this guy's going to be awesome because I'm Marcellus the Moose and he's going to be the Moose, so we're going to like this thing together. But when I saw him for the first time on R.O.H., like, literally, this dude was awesome. Just the gimmick he had coming out with his interest music, and everybody was chanting moose as he, you know, pumped the arm. I just thought it was awesome. Uh, Aaron, what, what do you think about the moose character? And, I, and I'll start with you first. What do you think about his character, and could he transcend to a big-time WWE star if he makes it to that I, um, I think moose is great, man. We, we watched um, the debut episode of ROH, on Destination America leading into Impact uh, this past week on Wednesday. And the first match of the night was Moose. Or no, no, no. Moose wrestled later in the night. He wrestled Colby yeah. Carino. And um, I was just so impressed. They, they very rarely, uh, in wrestling these days, very well anymore at least, book a guy who's dominant and they keep him dominant and they're careful with him and they book him and they protect him properly. And uh, unless I'm mistaken, the announcers have been saying that he's undefeated. Granted, he probably hasn't gone up against any, you know, big contenders yet. But he's dominant. He's got a great finish in that uh, just brutal-looking spear that he does a flip out of. He gets the crowd involved with his gimmick, chant moose along with the music. Um, he's got legitimacy from his NFL background, which we can talk about more in a little bit. I think he can definitely transcend. Um, it seems like ROH is being very um, very thoughtful in the way they're booking him. We can talk more about that in a little bit too. But um, I think he's great. I think he could translate to an NXT situation and then from there maybe main roster down the line. Um, he hasn't been in wrestling that long, so I think he's going to keep getting his toes more wet in Ring of Honor. He's also on um, Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling roster. So I'm hoping... He's at the show I'm going to in September for GFW. I get to uh, meet him and watch him wrestle live. Now, two chains. I, I'm just researching more as as Aaron was talking to describe his review of, of how Moose's character is. Did you realize he is from Seabrook, Maryland, and he went to Damascus? Two chains. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I did not know did that. A little bit of, yes, he's a Maryland boy. Did a little bit of research, uh, and you know, it's about. I'll say one cycle uh, ahead of us, so it's not like we would have a rendezvous with him. Right, or, you right. know, he was a big name coming out of college for us. But um, right. yeah, I was um, I researched. I was like, oh wow, he's a Maryland dude. So and the math is known for putting out these barbaric linemen. So this is just, it. Just wasn't no surprise. I started thinking about. At first, I was telling Aaron, I was like, I bet you he probably went to Roosevelt. <laughs> it, 
So either one of those schools, you know, you, if you're from Maryland, you played if you played any sports, you you you're in your prime time. You came out of one of those schools. Sad, sad to say, Absolutely. but that's what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we, so what do you think about Moose as your your prime time character as a as a WWE prospect? Hey, look, I like I like him. From, from what I've seen, I like him. But let's just be let's just be a little bit honest here. How much different is he from Titus O'Neil? Ooh. Would, would that be a direct comparison? You would compare him to Tyson, uh, Tyson, Titus, excuse me, Titus, Titus O'Neil. Both of them. Bo- direct comparison? Both of them ball player. Both of them has charisma. I mean, uh, athletic, the height. But how would they book him? Because look, every time I look at Titus, I'm like, this, he has it. But they just don't give it to him. You know? Uh, I, um, Titus comes out with the cue bark, which, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. But the, the crowd like it. And everybody likes this. Uh, the moose chant with the uh, I I forget what you call it, but you know, like when you see like eighteen wheeler driving by when you kid and you yeah. tell him to blow the horn. Yep, yeah, yep. the moose the moose pump. <laughs> That's what I call <laughs> it. You can call it the moose pump. I like it. Right. So I mean, I I don't know. I don't, I, I really don't see too much of a, more of a difference. Well, two chains. Let me bounce this off of you. What if I say this name? Would you say it's a better comparison to Titus, uh, Bobby Lashley? Um. Bobby Lashley. Uh, and think about how he was brought up in that ECW, you know, because he started out in ECW before he transitioned to Raw, before they had the, the draft where he went to Raw, but he kind of brought his name up in ECW when it was at the best time of his career, or, or post uh, Paul Heyman era when it came to WWE. With I mean, person Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley, just, he always gave me the octagon or, you know, the, the MMA style of, of build. Um, okay. He's strong, obviously, but he, I don't think he has uh, the. I don't think. I, I guess I'm gonna say that in a, uh, in a more of a football type of term, he doesn't have the hips and the legs like I look at like Titus and Moose. Like they're 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 easy on their foot, and I ain't gonna say Lashley can't move around, but he just gives me more of the MMA more of a feel. Like you can you can tell that that's the platform he crossed from. Where you can look at Titus, you can say, oh, I know he was a football player easily. So. Yeah, what about you, though? Do you have any direct comparisons? Well, I mean, I guess build-wise and size-wise, you could compare them to a Lashley or um, a Titus O'Neil. They all had the legitimate background of being tough um, outside of the ring. But what what kind of is different about Moose, he just looks a little meaner. Like, Titus and Bobby Lashley both look very clean-cut in the way that they're built and the way that their kind of facial stuff works. But Moose just looks like a mean dude, and dude's covered in completely in tattoos, and I think maybe yeah. that brings a little more um, character to him that maybe Bobby Lashley and uh, Titus lack a little bit. Um, not that they're not good characters or charismatic. Uh, all right, two chains. Let me go back to you with this, and and you kind of mentioned how he is with Titus. Now, if Moose was to make it in the WWE, does he need a mouthpiece to help him talk? Because if you see an ROH, I guess his, his current feud that is with, with BJ Whitmer, you know, you can tell BJ is the person that can carry that mouthpiece. To me, I, I see BJ as a lot of Mr. Kennedy back when he was in the WWE days, as far as his style, his look. I, I didn't get to see him wrestle that much before to give a com- complete comparison, but I can tell he's the mouthpiece that can carry over a feud with him and Moose. Uh, Moose excuse me. Do, you, do you think that Moose needs some type of mouthpiece in order for him to be successful, or do you think he needs to speak on his own? 
Um, just, just like A-Rod said, like, if you're going to have them to have this tough guy, look, I'm always a fan of the tough guys that don't say anything. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, what's, what's my man name? That's not in the WWE no more. Um, Washington? Abraham Washington? No, 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 no. Uh, ooh, uh, it, it keeps slipping out of my head. Really, really tall guy. Uh, oh, it's killing me. Sitsky? No, 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 no. Tall, super tall, super tall. He just, he, they recently let him go probably like a couple of months ago. Oh, the, the big Kali. Oh, Kali. When he first came out, oh, I mean, I, first seeing it, I was just like, all right, I see how they're doing this. And, and, and it, it gave me curiosity out of his character. But once he starts coming out by himself and he starts, you know, talking and cutting promos, I was like, oh, he's a clown now. And I just think that I've just always been a fan of, you know, if you want to be a heel, don't let the heels talk. Give him a manager. Let him do the tough guy face. No, and it works. But on the contrary, I think um, most NFL players come up through a system where you know they have to learn how to talk for the media at some point, which means that he has he has accountable Mike skills that can be used. But I, just as the Moose character, I, I don't feel like he should talk in, in any platform, RH or WWE, wherever he went. What about you, Aaron? Do you, do you agree? Feel any type of different way about it? No, I feel exactly the same way as two chains. They've got him paired up with a pair of mouthpieces, actually, R.D. Evans and then uh, yeah. Vita Scott. And I think they do a good job in what I've seen from him so far. I've been watching, uh, because I haven't felt well this weekend, I've been wa- catching up on a lot of the recent ROH shows that they did with New Japan. They did two dates in Philly and then two dates in Toronto. And uh, Moose looked like a stud in the stuff that I saw. And they did one, the first show they did in Toronto, they had uh, him come out with his managers and um, they cut a promo to the effect of, you know, he's undefeated, he's dominant, and he needs to be the number one contender to the ROH uh, Heavyweight Championship. To that effect, he is booked in a match for their Best in the World pay-per-view, which is um, a week from this upcoming Friday on the 19th. He's in a triple threat versus Roderick Strong and Michael Elgin, uh, for a number one contender spot for the ROH World Championship. Excellent. Okay. Now, let, let, let's think about this. Let's think about future terms. If he is ROH, and of course, if he's in ROH now, you would say what he has to build up where he is now and where he's going, which you just described, Aaron. Now, but he's 31 years old. At what point would you say, okay, he needs to get in the big time with WWE or he's made it as far as a wrestler? At what age you probably say, uh, he might be you know, pulling that line up. He may never, ever make it to WWE. Is he getting close to that age at him being 31? Yeah, not necessarily. Uh, Kevin Owens is in his, you know, mid-ish 30s, I believe. And Batista didn't start until his early 40s. You know, if you've got the athleticism and you can stay healthy and you can work, um, with the way people train these days, I think that age isn't as relevant. Especially for a guy like him, you can't rush it too much because he needs to build that experience and... um I think they're going to make him number one contender, and I think they're going to give him the strap before the year's out. And I think that that's a good thing for him to build uh, what it's like to kind of carry a little bit of a weight of a company on your back for a while. I think that's going to be a good experience for him in ROH. Good point. Uh, two chains. Uh, no, he's fine. I think the age uh, doesn't really play a difference. Uh, honestly, uh, if, he was, if he wanted, he probably could put out a couple more years in the NFL. 
but you know, really yeah, he's a lineman, so he didn't. He, he never put. He never had his body at risk as as, as uh, any other position. But uh, nah, I think his build is going to uh, give him long jeopardy for his wrestling career right now. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's doing just fine. And another thing I like to mention is, um, who knows how contracts are going to be played out over the next uh, couple of years? You know, like close. I, I, I'm a believer that cross platforms will come into play and even if uh you know he's not a, a main talent on a bigger name he'll still be a big a big draw at a house show and so I, I can agree with you guys more because like you said not rushing him i think 31 is still a, a pure young enough age that he has plenty of time i mean if you think of even somebody like a, a, a cody rhodes is still young and he's been in the wwe for a long time and he still has some time to produce his character. Of course, I had to put my Cody Rhodes plug in here. Um, but I, I really think he does have a, lo- a long time to make sure, one, he develops himself as a world champion contender on a smaller branded show. Then if he has a chance to make that jump, he may be able to skip some developmental parts because he's getting that experience right now. And I think this is what really helps ROH characters as they become bigger because with this TV deal, they had more exposure more experience, a more broader audience that they can feed into. And with that being said, by the time they make to the jump to that main, main event of what you would say the WWE is, you know, you might have some better product with some already ready characters through WWE just getting some training from from, from elsewhere. I mean, it's um, working out working out pretty good for him so far. You look at a guy like Kevin Owens or Neville or Seth Rollins or Ambrose, those absolutely. guys all passed through ROH at one point. And Absolutely. I, Even Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. I think it's good also, going back to that triple threat coming up at Best in the World, like the one thing that his opponents in that triple threat have in common is that they both have years of experience, and they were both former ROH uh, heavyweight champions, Michael Elgin and Roderick Strong. So I think that's, to get in the ring with those guys is only going to do him good. Yeah. Excellent. Now let's transition to part three here. This is probably... But I feel it's going to be the most interesting part because it seems like the injury bug is hitting WWE again. Um, and sometimes that can be great for other people, but that is so terrible for current wrestlers that have to work their way back up, even from previous injuries. And two of them that I mentioned here is one is Rusev uh, with the foot or leg injury, or leg injury, I don't know what you want to specifically call it. I think they call it a broken ankle, maybe on TV, but I'm not sure what the exact intent of the injury is. And then also Tyson Kidd, unfortunately, this past week in which he battled back so long from that gruesome knee injury that he has. Now he has a, a, a neck injury, I think they, they called it, which is going to be huge. And now him and Cesaro have worked their way up through that tag team ranks, becoming tag team champions. But now Cesaro's back on his, you know, on his own again for the time being. So I guess the question is, where do you see Cesaro or some of these other injuries affecting current <laughs> rosters on the WWE? I mean, two chains. Let's start with you first. I know you're a star guy. I mean, what do you think? I didn't even think this was how you was going to go about this question. I thought we would go into this later. I, this this is going to be my spot of the podcast to talk about. Now, Cesaro has his break. But, all right, I may go off the question a little bit. A couple of things i like to see here, say, is one, the, the injury. Um, nobody wishes injury on anybody. But it just seems to so happen to be that I felt like, this is immediately after I felt like maybe this is where the primetime players are finally going to get their push. Right. We've seen how uh, Ken Cesaro uh, took that, you know, the exit out of the Elimination Chamber, and everybody was surprised. So 
you know, you're like, all right, well, are they really going to start, you know, falling back some? You know, their, their work has been proven. They, they won the title a couple of times, you know, so is it is it is it down time for their fall? But, I mean, now with this injury, it's just like, like, wow. Like, now, legitimately, it seems like this will be, you know, they're, they're falling back and um, maybe the rise of the primetime players. But uh, as far as Cesaro, I mean, everybody in – the whole wrestling community knows what we think of him, and he's he he has it on every level. Uh, I, maybe I think his mic skills are okay, but uh, his work in the ring, uh, like I said, prime time. He, he, hopefully, maybe I, I go off the limb. Maybe he'll get a push, but who knows? If not, we'll just be seeing him just do a lot, lot of little gimme solo actions, and he'll just be the next Ryback, I guess, for a couple of months till. Kid comes back. I think Kid is supposed to be out for like seven to nine months. So, uh, one thing, one thing too, just just so I don't forget, uh, I was reading somewhere how WWE was not going to um, promote that he was injured, and uh, Natalia put out sort of a subliminal tweet uh, about you know his 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 injury he sustained and. I think now the WWE uh, website has finally just now posted that he's injured. So it's kind of weird because I was like, what's the big deal? I, I heard it was like something with the contract or something. I got to look it up in a second. But there was some reason why they were saying they wasn't going to advertise that he was hurt. Um, but And on another note on that, too, uh, if, for whoever didn't know, this, this injury was sustained in his match against Samoa Joe. Yeah. And I don't know how people feel about that, you know, but. And that's what yeah. I was going to transcend to. And I was going to ask you that as a two-part question. Uh, first, I'll do one part at a time. Since that injury did happen as a dark match before the Raw taping or the Raw live show on Monday, now do you bring in questions? Do you think questions are going to be with Samoa Joe if he's safe to work with? Do you think that's going to be a problem? Like he's just basically getting started, just signed his WWE, you know, official contract in post of NXT. I mean, what do you think that's going to go with this, Aaron? Man, I—that's a great question. I—I I would like to hope it's not going to hurt Samoa Joe's chances. Um, he's been known to work pretty snug. Um, I, having not been able to see the match because they did not put it on the Superstars episode, um, I can't really comment on you know how he was working that night. But I saw a photograph that a fan put up. Um, he's doing like a modified muscle buster. It's—I think it's more off more on like a lateral thing instead of like right out in front of his body now. And it looks like there's a little less impact than the traditional mus- muscle buster finish. Um, I read one report that it was kind of a freak occurrence and that it wasn't really anybody's fault. I, that's just, I just feel really horrible for Tyson Kidd because we've seen what neck injuries have done to people like Kurt Angle or even more recently Daniel Bryan. And I... He's done so. He worked so hard to get his character up to snuff to where he's back on the main roster. I think of all the time he put in last summer and fall in NXT. Which is great work. Yeah, and and his stuff on Total Divas is good too. And maybe that's part of why the report's been kind of muddy from WWE about what's been put out there so far. Maybe it has to do that's with Total Divas because I know they're that's filming right point. now. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I don't think Joe Stock's gonna be hurt. The dude they just signed him to a a full-time deal right after that mat- match. So can't imagine it hurt the dude that much, you know? Um, 
I think I think something else too when it comes to neck injuries. We kind of had this talk. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't recall if we had this talk uh, via our last episode or is this is something off the mark where we was talking about um, how people bounce back from neck injuries and uh, our fear of Stone Cold wrestling his next match because of neck in, uh, because of a neck injury. Yeah, we touched on that a little bit in uh, episode 10, and we talked about that, you know, off, off the show, too, about, you know, would that be something that the fans would be afraid to, to see, where they cringe every time they saw somebody like that with a neck injury get a match, but go ahead, you change. I mean, I'm just, like I said, uh, you know, science is evolving. Um, uh, the, the go-to names, uh, Dr. Andrews, people, people uh, doctors are specializing in this in, in all sports. Um, and I just like I just like the comeback story. Like if if anybody is clear to do it, I don't think we should fear for somebody's health. Um, as much as we like it as uh, fans, they like it as professions. And if they can do it, I don't think that is is deemed fair for us to fear for their health when they want to go out there and put it all out on the line at all times. And um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be rooting for Tyson as he as he comes back again, just to be as, as electric as he is now and as far as Stone Cold you know I, I'm down with him wrestling uh, I do have theories about who it is because I don't think certain people work as good but <laughs> hey if he's clear go out there and do it Brock Lesnar yes no for you two teams uh, Brock Lesnar has has not had a reputation of having of being a sloppy wrestler but his style of matches is what's going to put the fear in people hard but nobody's really you know he worked the Undertaker. We we seen what happened, but nonetheless, the Undertaker did wrestle this year. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I I think if anybody can do it, a younger Stone Cold should be able to. And uh, but I just don't see the bill. I mean, the the off his podcast. I think that was pretty epic the last two minutes. But I don't think it's a big enough bill for me to want to wait a whole year. You know, till we get out there just to see that I'm I'm not feeling it. I want I like Brock. I would like Brock's view to start as soon as he comes back in a couple of weeks. Um, and Stone Cold, I like I like him to keep trolling uh, opponents or whatever until the right one that I, I feel like will talk down the lines. The right person appears that was like, all right, well, this is the guy you should wrestle, even if it's Triple H, you know, or who knows, Bray Wyatt, who seems to work good with injured people or people that had injury reputation. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just think, you know, as far as neck injuries, we, we shouldn't just be leery about it. Uh, let the science do what they have to do mm-hmm. and uh, hope for a speedy recovery and let's see them back in action. And I'm glad you mentioned Bray Wyatt because that transcends. So it gives me a good segue into my second part of the question I have for Aaron. Now, I know we're all probably going to do a, a Money in the Bank, which is technically my favorite pay-per-view pre-show or preview, um, probably on Monday or Tuesday after all. But let's give a preview to the preview. Now, we have these injuries that we mentioned, and Bray Wyatt, which we all know we have suspects about <laughs> where he's been lately. He did make a raw showing, granted, in a loss to Roman Reigns to, to make sure Roman solidified his spot for Money in the Bank. But now it's up to seven seven members now. And and Aaron, I, I did see who got to be that seventh member of oh, the Money God. in the Bank match, and I'm not pleased at all. Nope. Let's have a preview <laughs> to the preview. On the second part, let's talk about we talked about Rusev, and we talked about Tyson getting injured. Now, Cesaro's by himself. Bray has nothing to do right now. Who do you think could potentially be that eighth slot? Because normally they average about eight members on that Money in the Bank. Um, two parts with this last part of the question. Do you think 
Bray Wyatt should get that spot? Would you give it to Cesaro? And is WWE doing a bad thing by what it looks like right now, shoving Roman down our throats, just like they did the Royal Rumble? What do you think, Aaron? Oh, boy, that's a lot. Um, I think that if they're going to put Bray in there just to lose, I don't see the point because the guy's done <laughs> way too much job in lately, in my opinion. Oh, my gosh. I, I watched pieces of SmackDown this week, and they've got – um, Harper and Rowan back together, and they were, they had this kind of, um, it was a promo where they weren't saying who they were calling out. They were saying, you know, we're family, and we don't look like you, and we don't sound like you, and we're coming for you. And I like, I wonder if they're gonna start sending those two at Bray Wyatt for breaking the family up. I could have interest in that storyline potentially. If you're gonna, put, I think it could be a really great way to kind of establish Cesaro as a solo act if he's gonna have to be a solo act for a while moving forward with the Tyson kid injury. Um, it would also be interesting if they kind of had him do some smaller singles feuds and then post SummerSlam with whoever's champion. I think you it could work to send um, Cesaro as a contender of sorts at a Brock Lesnar or at a Roman Reigns or at a Seth Rollins because. I think any of those guys, Cesaro would be a huge fan favorite against them because people are just kind of waiting for him to break out. I know that our group certainly is. That would be really interesting. Commenting on what you said about Roman Reigns, I actually feel opposite. I don't think they're shoving him too far down our throats yet. I liked how they um, had him minorly involved at the Chamber pay-per-view. I didn't mind the three matches on Raw because you're kind of getting the fans behind him again. I get that. I think that's all setting up to him turning heel on Dean Ambrose somehow at Money in the Bank. But we can talk more about that later this week. Two things. What about you, man? What's your thoughts on it? Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I kind of agree with you. I feel like they're kind of throwing them on us again. Uh, but like I, I mentioned before, they're they're building for the bottom with him. Uh, he's uh, they're making him a plan. Please, they're giving him like like. Uh, minimum mic work, but it works. I don't really fear him getting on mic like I used to, but you know. But I'm 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 totally down with knowing that the tie is going to be holding the money in the bank briefcase for Cesaro for a couple of months. <laughs> that, that I don't care if they wait till WrestleMania until he does something like with, uh, Seth Rollins. It, it, it messes up a lot of other problems with storylines that we theorized on, but I'm with it. Give that guy a give that but got a briefcase, throw him in that, that last slot. I'm I'm with it all the way. And I, and another thing too, I agree also with uh why why put Bray Wyatt in just to lose. I mean, hey, they do it to everybody else anyway, but yeah, I, you know, it's nothing we can do, but yeah, well, but why? But just let me ask you this question, just following up with Aaron. If they send Roman and Har- Roman and Harper to to Bray Wyatt in a few two teams, do you like that potentially? I know I don't. I like to see them get back together again. Uh, what about against each other? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Of course, if you put them against each other until they ultimately bow down back to him, or gotcha, they, okay. all of a sudden they they break out the chair and he sits down, and they stand behind him, you know, a little spot like that. And I'm, I'm with it. Why not? Or or he eventually overcomes him and they finally go ahead and turn Bray Wyatt babyface, like we all kind of want to have happen, anyways. <laughs> Exactly. Now, now, just thinking of that, based off if Cesaro was to be put in this match and you know, he's by himself and maybe he's still with Natalia, do you keep him as face or do you try to switch him back to his heel role? Maybe face. 
Face, 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 face. He's all, he's so over. God do face. Um, I, I would love to see if he could be that eighth member to come in there. Because like you said, it's normally eight members. Um, But like I said, we'll touch on more of that later this week. We want to let Raw do what, it's, what they do on Monday for the three hours. Hopefully we have a cleaned up card uh, for the whole three hours of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view that's going to come up a week from today. Um, but any any other touches, guys, before we give away too much, we want to still save for later. Uh, two change. Anything you want to add? Uh, just give a shout out to uh, our Twitter family and everybody that's added us, uh, keep talking to us and all that. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, and yeah, just continue to keep tuning in and uh, reach out to us. All of us are pretty media savvy, so either way, anybody wants to uh, throw out some suggestions or topics that you think we should cover, hit us up, or you know, eventually uh, we'll have we'll start doing special guests and go from there. If anybody wants to feel like they want to jump in on a couple of topics or something like that, hit us up. Aaron, what do you like to say as part of ways? Uh, definitely want to echo the thanks for everybody that's reaching out on social media. Um, our last uh, three episodes have been among the highest accessed so far. Uh, thank you to Global Force Wrestling for retweeting us the other day. That was very cool. Same thing to uh, ROH's Donovan Jajak, thank you for retweeting us or favoriting what we had sent out. Uh, thank you to Moose for friending me on Facebook on my personal account. Um, Moose and I go go way back, obviously. Um, but for real, man, um, like I said, I haven't felt well this weekend, so I've been sitting in the house watching a lot of wrestling. If you get a chance, go find... The, uh, the finals of New Japan's best of the Super Juniors tournament. It was like a 12-day tournament, and the finals were last, or I guess technically this morning, if you're counting in our time, it was Kyle O'Reilly versus Kushida, the time splitter. Kushida was also featured on ROH uh, this past week on Destination America. They work a 30-minute match, and you don't typically see people work a body part anymore. They both worked kind of the, uh, the elbow-arm area on each other. It was one of the better matches I've seen in 2015. It's going to be one that I talk about when we do our match of the year candidates at the end of the year. Wow, is that good? Even better than uh, what we saw with Cena and, and Kevin Owens? Um, It was different than that. I really enjoyed, obviously that match will be up among my favorites for the year. But yeah, it's, it's a hard-hitting 30-minute match. Very just, the two guys grapple well, a lot of high spots, a lot of submission work. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus Kushida, the time splitter. I'm telling you, man. Well, I'm going to be sure I'm going to check that out. And, and for me, as a part of ways, I just want to add to these two. You know, this thing for everybody to continue to support us. And like Aaron said, just the amount of uh, downloads and listens that we've had, especially in our last couple of episodes, is very great. Uh, we started this as a conversation. You know, to say, hey, we should just do this, and we're all putting it together, and just the support that you guys are giving us, especially through social media, word of mouth, whatever you can do. Like, literally, I went to a housewarming the other day, and one person that listened to our podcast was asking me, you know, they don't even like wrestling. They don't watch wrestling, not since basically the Monday Night Wars. And we ended up asking me questions about our podcast that turned into a 20-minute discussion about wrestling at the housewarming party. And I thought that was just great. That's awesome. That, 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 That we could just, you know touch so many people and maybe bring more wrestling fans back in to appreciate what they're doing. You know, even though, like you said, Aaron talked about how wrestling is fake, what people think, uh, I'll go back to Mr. Anderson, what he had, uh, people are fake, but wrestling is real. Um, and they just, you know, work hard what they do. And it is very creative what they do just to 
the characters that they present, the charisma that they bring, the talent that they have to do in the ring, both speaking and physical talent. It's just, you know, great to talk about, great to witness. And we love it here. We want to make sure you love it just as much as we do. But continue to look for us on Facebook. Uh, continue to look for us on Twitter. And be sure you check out uh, our upcoming preview shows, getting ready for the Money in the Bank, which I'm excited about. Hopefully it does not disappoint me because, like I said, and I will keep saying it, this is my favorite pay-per-view of the year. So I hope this continues to do well. Um, for, for Aaron and, and Two Chains, this is Silly Sellers. Be sure to look out for D. Wayne's uh, Cena Crush List. He said he was going to post one today, so I'm co- hoping his words can, can come true. He'll post one today. I'll let these two uh, get well, drink up some tea so they can get ready to talk some more this week. And we'll see you guys soon. Take it easy, everybody. Take it easy. This has been another production of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Big Gold Belt. Email us at Big Gold Belt Group at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We'll